Oramai, good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. I can't think of any place on earth that fills me up in quite the same way as the Isle of Man. They're the words of a treasured friend making a brief but welcome return. Then we're going behind the scenes for a look at the Roman Catholic Church on Merseyside. And D is for dog. But as those are the words of Ruth Rice, you've probably guessed that this is no ordinary dog. But let's begin with music, and our hymns today are from the London Fox Singers. Oh, breath of life comes sweeping through us. Revive thy church with life and Breath of life comes sweeping through us. Revive your church with life and power. The words of that hymn, sung for us by the London Fox singers, I think are well suited to my first guest, who freely admits that, although she's been an ordained minister and gained wide experience from working in different countries around the world, she still welcomes every opportunity to learn, to grow and to minister in new areas. She is Reverend Dr. Dee Dee Haynes, who for some 10 years ministered at Trinity Methodist Church at Rosemount here in Douglas, and who this week, along with her husband, made a brief but very welcome return to the island to join in praying the Keels Week and to be reunited with some of her many friends here. She also kindly spared me some time to record this conversation. No visit is ever long enough to the island, and there's something mystical and magical that happens when you step off the boat or off the plane and you breathe in that air, and the hospitality here is something so wonderful, and so it's a real privilege to be here. 
Well, that really is a compliment because you're a well-travelled lady and have spent time in ministry in many places. Here you were in charge of Trinity, the big Methodist church at Rosemount here in Douglas. And from there, you went back home to the United States? That's correct, yes. We went back to be a support to my daughter and, and her family. And when you've been away from your own culture for a very long time, it takes some patience and some perseverance and some being still enough then to find a new rhythm of life. I had been away for a long time, and I wasn't a part of the church ministry that I was part of a tradition with there, the United Church of Christ, I began to consider maybe there might be other kinds of ministries that would be inviting, but that would be able to meet my curiosity to want to learn more about ministry in a different place. One of the things I noticed since I've come back to the island is just the way the churches are, are being present in the community in a much bigger way. I think about down at Port St. Mary, the kind of meals and, and film nights they're doing. And maybe on Sunday morning, there aren't as many people there but they come out in full force, and that's church for them. Alex Brown being out in the community in different ways, that is church for them. And I've learned so much from being a part of the community here in the Isle of Man. And one of the things I learned was about the important role that hospice plays in a community and being able to journey with not only um, people who are part of my congregation, but friends and seeing that kind of comfort, end-of-life care they received here, that for me was a kind of spark of interest. And so now I find myself working with a hospice in a little bit different role. I'm the supervisor of spiritual care and music therapy, but I do all the bereavement support for the hospice. I'm in... Minneapolis, Minnesota. So it's known as the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. It's a busy metro area that's pretty diverse, um, people from all over the world. I have an opportunity to meet people from all different cultures, much like here, where I hear there's 134 different cultures here now in the Isle of Man. How exciting is that and how rich it is to be able to encounter people from other places who see the world differently. Their lens has been nurtured in, in another place. And what a gift it is when we're problem solving or talking about how we're going to be together to be able to listen to what other people bring from other places. Absolutely wondrous. So tell me about what what you're discovering in your ministry now. I'm assuming that the hospice where you are operates in much the same way as our hospice would operate here. Well, it's home-based rather than being resident in, in one place, although I do understand there's some home-based hospice here on the island. We meet people in their homes. Now, sometimes that's a private home. Sometimes it's a nursing home where people are already receiving some skilled care. Sometimes it's in an assisted living facility. So we go out into the community with large teams who are meeting people where they are at. If we want to meet somebody and really learn who they are and learn what their story is, We know, first of all, that we have to recognize that if we want this to be a mutual exchange, that we are not the experts. Every person is the expert on who they are. 
And as soon as we take that away, then we can have a mutual conversation. When I'm not trying to fix you, there's a sense of mutuality. And if I don't have that kind of curiosity about you, then I will just be ticking boxes. I have to take your temperature. I have to know what you had to eat today, or I I want to know your deepest heartache, or what has meaning for you, right? And when we're able to approach it with a real human connection, then we're able to have that kind of exchange. And that's needed for people who work in a field where people are coming to the end of their life. Every place I go, I'm hoping at the end of a visit that I can say with a real genuine sense of being grateful, thank you for letting me come here today. Thank you for telling me a part of your story because you've made my life bigger today. I do have an understanding that we find it difficult to sit in silence, to just be And that will always be about each one of us, not the person we go to see. We find it awkward when there's no conversation. We want to fill up all those spaces. But something wondrous can happen when we just sit and listen and maybe just look at somebody. We might be sitting with somebody who can't communicate the same way as we communicate. So how are we going to be with them? How will we convey empathy? We've had a a time now where a lot more telephone conversations happen rather than person to person. How do you convey empathy on the telephone? What will be the pace of your speech? How will you listen? What is it that we say when, when somebody weeps on the other end of the phone? Or they say nothing because because the emotion they're holding is so much. What do we usually say? Are you still there? How is it different if we say, I'm still listening? And it takes practice, and that's why I think all of these are spiritual practices, and we can do that ourselves. We can practice that at home if we're someone who's going to go out and be with other people and be there in such a way that they feel comfortable. How long can we sit? Can we sit for a whole hour with somebody? Part of that's because I think our culture is so attuned to producing something. And that when we just sit with somebody in silence, we can't name what that is. We don't trust that there's a mutual exchange, that that we can have communion with God and with each other and never speak a word. So are you involved in in helping people to develop these skills, Didi? Part of what I do is I provide education on different areas. I might be talking about empathy with people. I might be talking about nurturing the inner work of aging which is something that we're starting to talk about in a bigger way now, might be talking about grief and talking about how the whole of our community just seems to be swimming since the pandemic in a big sea of grief, not just the ordinary grief that we encountered before as if you could say it was ordinary, but the the powerful way that grief is visiting us now. They're talking it's going to take 10 years post pandemic to understand the depth of loss that we have experienced. Right now, we don't even understand what we've lost. And for healing to come with grief, it has to be seen and it has to be named so that we can begin to talk about it and how hard that is, how it hurts our heart to have to talk about what we've lost. People lost loved ones, people lost hopes and dreams about how their life would unfold. Just the kind of assumptive reality that this is how our world should be. 
and it has been not how our world should be. And for us to be able to talk about that and recognize that no one has escaped it. It has left its fingerprints on all of us. And it's so very important. I think sometimes, especially people who are supporting others, we talk about the pandemic and all of the realities as if it's something that happened to other people without being able to say, and it happened to me as well. I think it's so important that when we look at ourselves, we look at ourselves the way that God looks at us, with compassion, because the opposite of that is judgment. And women especially, I found, have been nurtured that way to be quite hard on ourselves. And I will tell people who are grieving, if you got up today and put your clothes on, give yourself a gold star, because grief is hard, hard work. And it's easier to try to keep it at an arm's length. It's the hard thing to talk about it. It's the courageous thing to let yourself cry. It's brave to ask somebody, can you just sit with me for a while because I need to remember this person and I need to say their name out loud and I want to tell you their story. I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to listen. There's been collective grief about so many different things. And sometimes when things happen quickly or things endure for a long time, like the pandemic has endured, you can't grieve 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can't. It's too painful. So what happens is a little bit at a time, we push it out and we push it out and we step away and we step away. And then we think, how did I get so far away from this? And it's just the way that we are. And it's important for us to be able to name those things and to be kind and gentle with ourselves so that we can model for everyone else, this is how I care for me. And I would so appreciate if you could care for me the same way. And and we do that so that we care for others with that kindness and gentleness. Dee Dee, when you were here, we loved your thought for the days and you would tell us a story and you would then say, consider this. I think this morning you've given us a lot to consider. Thank you very much indeed. And I do hope that if it's possible that you will come back and see us again. Reverend Dr. Dee Dee Haynes, thank you very much indeed. Thank you so very much, Judith. I appreciate it.
Fairest Lord Jesus, another hymn from the London Fox Singers. And before that, I was talking with Reverend Dr. Dee Dee Haynes during her brief return to the island last week. Dee Dee was in ministry here on the island, but is now the supervisor of spiritual care and music therapy and handles bereavement support for a hospice in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in the United States. The Roman Catholic Church here on the island is part of the Archdiocese of Liverpool. Canon John Devine is the senior Catholic priest here on the island, but also has responsibilities as a member of the team of senior clergy who ensure the smooth running of the whole Archdiocese. This major piece of multitasking, where a priest has to take care of one or more parishes in addition to one or more roles in management of the diocese, is now quite common as I discovered when I was in Liverpool recently and met one of Canon John's colleagues, Reverend Canon Aidan Prescott. Well, uh, primarily, of course, I'm a parish priest locally here at St Clair and St Hugh in Liverpool. But in the diocese, I'm also the Vicar General and Chancellor of the diocese. So the Vicar General means that I help the Archbishop in some of the administrative functions of running the, the Archdiocese and standing in to represent the Archdiocese when the Archbishop or the Auxiliary Bishops are not available but most of the time it's behind the scenes so it's it's not altogether glamorous but it's a necessary role nonetheless and then I'm also Chancellor of the Diocese and I've had that job longer nearly 10 years and the Chancery Office processes a lot of the documents to do with people getting married particularly if they're getting married outside of the diocese getting married abroad which many choose to do or if they need various permissions to get married dispensations and so on we do all of that or for people being received into the church as adults. Also, I do a lot of the administrative things to do with the appointment of priests to their parishes. When parishes are merged or churches are closed, there have to be documents to effect all of those. So that's all drafted in the Chancery Office. So I oversee all of those things as well. That's a lot of work. Each of those jobs is a yes. job in itself. Yes. Is this a reflection of how ministry is today? Well, I think it is. The reality is that most priests, most parish priests, have other responsibilities as well. I mean, many of them are school governors and they may have two or even three primary schools in their parishes so they, they can be busy that way. It's true that perhaps some of us have greater administrative responsibilities than others, but most priests are busy. I'm conscious that my parishioners they've had to accept the fact that I have wider responsibilities in the diocese and generously for the most part I think they accept that but clearly I can't be as devoted to their needs as I would be if, if that were my only responsibility so I suppose to some extent no one role gets my fullest attention because you have to prioritise and deal with things as best you can but uh, thankfully most people generously accept that you do your best hopefully to fulfil what's needed and of course the reality too is when we look at figures for the diocese the age profile of our priests is getting higher the average age and the reality is in maybe 10 years we will have fewer priests than we have now and clearly we can't just keep adding and adding to the burden of responsibility for individual priests by giving them another parish so that they have three or four parishes to run because it then gets to a point where it's too much certainly for some people either because of their health or their age they wouldn't have the the energy or the capacity to fulfill these functions so there may have to be different forms of 
leadership in parishes in the future, which may include, of course, the a greater degree of assistance by lay people who are suitably formed and trained to fulfill that role and as a priest may of course come to celebrate liturgies but may not be responsible in as direct a way for the day-to-day -day running of a parish in future but how we get from where we are now to what may be in the future we, we don't know precisely how we will get there in detail in every locality. Do you think we're becoming more multicultural? Have you seen a big change over those 20 years in, in your church congregation? Well, I mean, in the case of my own particular parish or parishes uh, as they were, I think for the whole time I've been here, they've been quite mixed ethnically uh, in this part of Liverpool. We happen to have quite a, a large number of Nigerian people or people of Nigerian heritage. They form quite a, a large grouping, but we have quite a mix and, and that mix has continued to grow over the years so that much it has been a, a constant if you like over the 20 years I've been here. I'd say the biggest change has been the increase almost exponentially increase in, the, in the, the number of students living in, in my parish because a lot of the terraced houses that were traditionally family homes and would have provided at least some families for our parish and our primary schools are now occupied by students who, of course, in the main are not having children, not at that point in their lives. That's impacted on our schools. We, we get fewer Catholic children being taken into both my primary schools, now fewer than half the intake are baptised Catholic children, and that impacts, of course, on the sacraments, the number of requests for baptism and First Communion. They've all declined as the as the the demographic has changed so I'm conscious having been in this part of Liverpool for 20 years that the demographic has changed albeit not overnight gradually over the years but when I reflect what it was like in 2001 when I arrived to what it is today it has changed quite enormously in that time. Thank you Reverend Canon Aidan Prescott describing his life in ministry as parish priest with additionally two major roles in management of the Liverpool Archdiocese, of which the Catholic Church on the island forms a part. And the last word comes once again from Ruth Rice, founder of Renew Wellbeing, cafe-style safe spaces where everyone is welcomed, supported and gently encouraged to find their own pathway to mental health. Ruth has created for us a very personal A to Z of things that are good for her own mental and emotional well-being. And she pops in each week in case what's good for her might be good for us too. This week, it's the letter D. D is for dog. Over to you, Ruth. I've got a little dog called Bo. She is just such good company, but she's a very anxious little thing. And whenever I'm taking her for a walk, she acts as if it's her taking me for a walk. She's really anxious when we get near any other dogs, any other people. And I want to say to her, listen, Bo, I'm taking you for a walk. I'm never going to put you in danger. I've got this. It always makes me think about what God must be thinking on the journey that he and I take together, where I'm so anxious that... I'm taking him with me almost, you know, come on, Lord, we're going into this together. And actually, it's his walk. It's his journey. He's taking me with him and I'm safe. He's not going to take me anywhere that is dangerous. Why do I worry so much? I wonder. My little dog, my little anxious friend reminds me that I can so often be like that. So D is for a dog, a girl's best friend. 
Thank you, Ruth Rice. More from Ruth's Alphabet of Wellbeing next week. But right now, it's time to take a look at our notice board and we begin with things happening later today. And we're going to the Cathedral in Peel, where instead of the usual choral evensong at half past three this afternoon, there'll be a short, said service of Holy Communion with congregational hymns. Cathedral Curate Reverend Ruth Walker says, We hope this may be helpful to those who, for whatever reason, may find it difficult to attend a morning communion service. And staying in the cathedral, but looking to next Sunday, the 5th, there'll be a special service of celebration for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. It'll be led by Bishop Peter and will start at half past ten with a warm welcome for everyone. Looking now to the week ahead, and on Wednesday, June the 1st, there's another Summer Songs of Praise in St Adamnan's, Lonnon Old Church, starting at half past seven. The preacher this week is Pastor John Powell from Onken, and as usual, there's a warm welcome for all at this beautiful historic church. And on Friday the 3rd at 12 noon, there's another soup lunch in Port St Mary Methodist Church. And because Saturday the 4th is the first Saturday of the month, there'll be a craft market in Glen May Chapel and Community Centre. It's open between 11am and 3pm, selling homemade produce and handicrafts by local artists. It's free entry and there'll be homemade light lunches, including those famous bacon baps, tea, coffee and cake. And TTTs are back. The bride TTTs will be served in the parish hall from Friday the 3rd to Saturday the 11th, open daily from noon till 5pm. And the Balaf TT Cafe is open again this year in Balaf Village Hall that's just a short distance down Station Road. Balaf TT Cafe is open daily 9am to 4.30pm from Saturday the 4th of June until the 10th. Delicious all-day breakfasts, as well as sandwiches, cakes, hot and cold drinks to eat in or take away. St Jude's TT Food Event returns from Monday the 6th of June to Friday the 10th. Open from 11am to 4pm with the usual selection of baps, cakes, pies with tea and coffee. Next Sunday, the 5th, the morning service of Holy Communion in St Thomas's in Finch Road here in Douglas will be at the earlier time of half past nine, just for next week only. And in case you are wondering, the very popular series of summer concerts in St Thomas's will be starting on Wednesday, June the 15th. More details nearer the date. Also next Sunday, the 5th, there'll be Mad Sunday TTTs and Auto Jumble, all in Dolby schoolrooms, starting with bacon baps served from half past nine and ongoing with homemade soup, sandwiches, cakes and cream teas until 5pm, with Auto Jumble sales open all day in the schoolrooms and in the garden. Selby Methodist Church, opposite the Selby Glen Hotel, invite you to their traditional Mad Sunday Bikers service. It's next Sunday at 11, when the speaker will be Mike Fitton, chairman of the Christian Motorcyclist Association, and the service will be followed by a barbecue in the church garden from noon onwards, and that's open to everyone. And Selby Methodist Church will be open on race days during road closures, serving refreshments, hot and cold drinks, snacks, hot food and homemade cakes. And finally, Fireblade Ministries invite you to a TT service next Sunday the 5th at a quarter past nine in the Mike Halewood Centre at the rear of the TT Grandstand. 
and next Sunday evening at 7, Fireblade Ministries have been invited to share in the service in Broadway Baptist Church here in Douglas. Again, all are welcome. And that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back in the studio tonight from 9 with Sundown. Easy listening music to round off the weekend, and I'd love you to join me if you can. Do please email me if you've got items for the notice board or you'd like to request a favourite hymn to be included in a future programme. My email address is judithlay at manxradio.com. So, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a safe and truly blessed week and a very good morning. Station